Shelley. ¿Qué tal, Mai? ¿Dónde está? <laughs> well, Baden, I'm well, thank you very much. And currently sitting anxiously in a sloth sanctuary in Costa Rica. Um, I'm genuinely quite nervous to be here with the idea that there might be sloths all around me. In case you aren't aware of this, I am quite afraid of sloths, irrationally so. Um, but I'm, I'm ready to learn more about them and accept them into my life. This is like the Costa Rican version of Fair Factor, uh, but it's only a fair of Shelley's. I mean, everyone else goes, oh, sloths, cute. But Shelley's more like, sloths, get them freaking away from me. <laughs> Welcome to the How Are You, Where Are You podcast, an audio travelogue of our adventures by bike as we zoom through Europe and Central America on our way home to New Zealand. We left London eight months ago and cycled west to Portugal, then stopped in Cuba before landing in Cancun and heading south. And I cannot believe we are nearly finished in Costa Rica. <laughs> In breaking news, the All Blacks, the New Zealand rugby team, are the world champions of the Copa del Mundo. <laughs> it was a big effort by me and the team. I mean, just to just to get here. Uh, <laughs> yesterday, I kind of woke up in a cold sweat at 4am and we just had to get on the road to try and find somewhere to watch the game. We're in Puerto Limón. Um, maybe one of the less developed, or it's a fairly developed sort of city, but a lot of infrastructure's run down. I didn't have confidence that there would be a bar with ESPN3 or that we'd be able to find a decent internet connection. So we just got on our bikes at 5am and just pedaled until we got to Puerto Viejo, um, which is kind of near where we are now in Costa Rica, just down the road from here in the Sloth Sanctuary. And uh, we managed to sort of get into a bar. Um, we thought we might be able to hook up our laptop to their TV. Unfortunately, we didn't have the right cable, so we were just watching it on this dodgy stream that my brother gave me of ITV. <laughs> and it froze at really inopportune times. Like, it froze when Ma'an Nonu scored his try, and I think it froze when Bowden Barrett scored his yeah, try as well. So I, I think I refreshed the screen maybe 20 times during the match. Yeah. So, I mean, the boys, they played a pretty hard game there, but I also played a very hard and stressful game <laughs> at the Lobster Shack bar thing in Puerto Viejo de Talamanca, <laughs> trying to sort of watch the stream. But, you know, it worked out. I'm a world champion now. Oh um, the All Blacks are world champions, and we can sort of go on from here and uh, I can sort of start breathing a bit more. I don't need to like go on the cycle tour with the World Cup hanging over me. Oh, we need to watch highlights. I mean, last um, week it was the semi-finals and we're in Cañas, I think it was, yeah. uh, last Saturday. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I should wait until YouTube has some full highlights and just go on a complete media blackout to watch the game. But then when I knew the All Blacks had played and I didn't know the result, I just sort of had this itch. And so they, um, they, there's this uh, place on YouTube where you can watch like the three and a half minute highlights. And that was the tensest three and a half minutes of my life okay, watching right, that semi-final. Uh, yeah, I'm pulling the mic back. That's enough. That's enough about that. Like We should actually talk about what we've been doing in Costa Rica apart from trying to watch rugby. So last episode, we were on the Pacific coast of Nicaragua in San Juan del Sur. And now we have crossed all the way over into Costa Rica and over to the Caribbean. Um, 
So having been warned about the prices in Costa Rica, we were really conscious that we wanted to make an effort to camp and maybe try and talk to the firemen and try and stay in the fire stations and, you know, try and stay with warm showers hosts. So our first night we camped in a national park. Um, I was really excited because um, as we rode in, it was beautiful. It was about a seven kilometer ride into the kind of heart of the park. And the sign at the front said it was, you know, two dollars to camp. So we're like, oh, this is going to be perfect, you know. Um, so we got down into the camp and uh, got to the hut where you, you know, pay your money. And well, actually, the hut itself was quite impressive. Mm. Um, what do they call it? a casona or mm. something? And actually, that I mean had been destroyed by a fire and rebuilt maybe twice, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was this wooden um, building, and basically, uh, they fought a, a civil war, basically. Uh, from well, not sorry, it wasn't a civil war. It was, um, it was one, of one of the big battles in Costa Rica that defined the nation. They had this sort of marauding um, sort of try-hard conqueror called William Walker from Tennessee, mm-hmm. and uh, he had pretty much sacked Nicaragua. He was sort of in charge of Nicaragua, and he was trying to get into Costa Rica. And uh, basically a couple of brave journalists um, (laughs) and locals, they got this army together and they fought him off and they got him out of Costa Rica. And where a lot of the battle was, was there in that Santa Rosa National Park. So it was quite an important building uh, in Costa Rica's history. Well, I was more interested in camping in the beautiful dry tropical forest that... Um, that makes up the park and used to make up a huge proportion of of Central America but lots of it's now obviously been cut down and destroyed Um, but it turns out that the whole thing was a complete ripoff and we ended up paying $38 to camp there because we didn't realise you have to pay the entrance fee which was $15 each and then to camp was $4 each but I mean it was just like okay so it sort of ruined it for us I mean, I, I let it ruin it for me a little bit <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, because I was so annoyed. And then when we got to the actual campsite and the toilets were... Oh, yeah, they were pretty rank. Um, <laughs> and the showers with that sort of like rusty tap coming out of the wall. And that bat in the shower. Yeah, I mean, we've stayed in campsites you know, where the facilities have been equal to that, but we probably only paid $2, yeah. uh, even less than that, to go in. I mean, I think the most expensive we paid for a campsite so far was... 20 euros in uh, Burgos in yeah. Spain. But yeah, this, well, we just felt a little bit ripped off. I mean, w- what we've heard though is that the national parks aren't funded very well by the state. And so I think they have to keep putting up their fees and then rip off the tourists. I mean, for a Costa Rican to stay there uh, or to stay there and to visit the park, it was like $1 yeah. or $2 or something. And then it's 15 if you're a tourist. And the other thing was that we saw that the $2 camping sign on the entrance um, board when we're just you know, about to cycle into the park. We thought, oh, $2 camping, sweet. We didn't actually notice it was said $10 as well for park entry. That didn't sort of compute. But uh, when we got down there, he said, oh, no, no, it's $4. The prices have gone up recently. No, um, we did have a sign there, but it washed away. I was like, oh. <laughs> By the time we got down there, we were like, we've ridden 100 kilometres, there's nothing for miles around, we have to stay. But another thing we were worried about was uh, that Terry had sort of faced a tough situation back in Nicaragua, and um, we were a bit, yeah, a bit concerned about how he would cope as we kind of pulled him out of his bag and got ready to camp for the night. It's a big moment of truth for Terry the Tent. 
He uh, basically, Terry killed a frog recently. <laughs> uh, a frog sneaked into the tent bag, unbeknownst to us. And while the frog was in there with Terry, Terry killed it. Uh, it was three days of composing before we realized that this frog was indeed uh, dead in the bag. And Shelley had the lovely experience of pulling the dead frog out and touching it. Uh, on the on island of Omotepe when we realized that the smell of decomposing dead thing was getting uh, too much to uh, no enough to prompt an investigation and what did this investigation find out well um, there was frog slime on everything and uh, we immediately got Terry out aired him out uh, and then proceeded to wash all of the contents of the bag um, and the last wash was with vinegar, which I managed to get my hands on. So this is a big test. I'm opening up the bag to see if it still stinks of frog. Is the smell of death gone? Oh, it's still there. It's lingering. Do you reckon it's in the tent bag or in the, in the dry bag? I think the black dry bag, which is what the frog was smushed on. Yeah, I think it's still in there. Terry. I think the vinegar worked on Terry. What do you think? Oh, no, I can still smell a bit of death there. Aww. Oh, So hopefully uh, we're in a sort of a tropical dry forest. And hopefully the whiffs of the forest will, the, the bouquet of aromas in this forest will fill Terry with life and joy. And he will return um, and never smell of death again. <laughs> Terry, you stink. <laughs> We had a really good night camping, but it would have definitely been a lot better if Pistachio had been with us. Um, Pistachio is a new friend that we met and introduced on our last episode of the podcast. He is from Mexico or from San Luis Potosí to be precise. And he had been cycling all the way south down to, um, well, he was planning to go all the way to the end Chile. of- Yeah, Chile. Um, and we found out about each other and he caught up to us eventually in San Juan del Sur and then we were excited to set out together and to have pistachio in our bike gang. Um, but the next morning when we got up and got ready at four in the morning, um, he wasn't very well and he had a really bad fever and he stayed behind, right? Mm, yeah, I mean he got all his cycling gear on, wheeled out his bike and packed it on and then it was just like, dude, I don't think you've got the energy to do this. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. So I said, no, I think you better stay back and, and rest up, you know, and he, catch us up. He'd been doing some big Ks in the previous days to meeting up with us. So we're like, you know, we go a bit slower. Mm. So, you know, if he misses a night with us, yeah, sure, he'll be able to catch it up the next day. But he he really knew that he couldn't cycle as well. So, um, so we went off and camped. And then the next day after that, we uh, got back in touch with him. And he had been to the doctor because he hadn't felt any better. And... Um, the doctor said that he had contracted dengue fever. Yikes. I've seen that on Shortland Street before. It's not great. Yeah, so it's, it was kind of semi-serious. And um, the doctor instructed him to rest for a few days. Uh, so he, there was no way he was going to be getting on his bike anytime soon. Um, in the end, he decided to get a bus to San Jose. And we met up and had lunch in San Jose. And that's when um, Pistache told us that he had bought a plane ticket and his bike was being packed up and he was going home. Yeah, it was, it was, um, 
he made the right decision. You know, he had dengue fever. He'd been bitten by other um, mosquitoes on this trip as well. Um, uh, there's another one called Chinkangua or Guya or something like that. Chinkangoyo. or something like that. And they, you know, they leave a particularly nasty sting on you as well. But, you know, if you get it again, it's pretty risky. So he made the right decision to go home. Yeah, if and you're bitten by a mosquito carrying dengue fever a second time or a third time, it can become quite serious. You can end up in hospital. Mm. But he was such a great guy. And we, you know, we only got to know him for a short amount of time. We were, like, really excited about rocking out through Costa Rica and Panama. But unfortunately, uh, yeah, sort of illness befell before him. And he had to um, pack up his bike. Yeah, it was, it was real sad, man, to see him go. But, you know, he he did make the right decision. And he can, you know, he can finish the trip another time as yeah. well. Or even come and finish it in New Zealand. That'd <laughs> yeah. be great. Pistachio on tour in uh, Kiwiland, I think uh, it's got a ring to it. Yeah, we miss you, Pistache. Get well soon, buddy. Back to the bike, we were... Heading down the Inter-American, which is a sort of big road that goes right through Latin America. It kind of stops at Panama City and then continues in South America. It's a sort of like a big connecting road. So as you expect, lots of trucks, it's quite busy. And we had a couple of days on that going south and we kind of needed to get off it, you know, when we reached uh, Cañas. So we sort of devised up a little route that took us inland and we went to uh, Lake Arenal. We heard that it was beautiful and man it really lived up to that didn't it? It was such a um, pleasure and you know we sort of said at the time when we first climbed up this hill and then we saw the lake, the lake came into our sort of horizon and we saw it for the first time we're like it was really breathtaking. And you know previously in Central America we had thought that the Hummingbird Highway in Belize uh, was sort of the most beautiful road that we'd ridden on so far. And, I don't know, that route around Lake Aranao, that's given Hummingbird Highway a run for its money. It was stunning riding. And yeah. In the afternoon, um, it got a little cloudier and moodier. And there was, yeah, everything sort of went in shades of blue. So the lake was blue and blue-gray and the hills were a dark blue and the clouds were kind of a pale gray. And it was, there was a little bit of purple and it was really beautiful. And um, uh, towards the end of the afternoon, the volcano came into sight. Yeah, that was that was really magic, wasn't it? Because it was starting to get, um, look like it was about to rain any moment at that point, and the volcano was sort of yeah a picture in amongst that mm. um, that sort of atmosphere. And it's just like a perfect cone, and it's just sticking right up, you mm. know. And there's something about it that you can't stop looking at it. You know, when you're riding along, your gaze is just continually drawn away to it yeah. for, away from the road towards the volcano haven't we, haven't we seen a lot of volcanoes recently yeah. you know remember uh, remember back in uh, Nicaragua we're on the um, what is it the Ruta de Volcano uh, Volcans yeah. uh, Volcanos and um and colonial route or something and yeah. that actually continues strangely when we went into costa rica yeah yeah but we have, we've come across a lot of volcanoes and there's one actually near san jose about 60 60 or 80k from san jose and last wednesday it erupted all smoke and stuff was puffing out of it anyway mm -hmm. so it's a pretty active area and 
the other things from having all this um, volcanic soil you get such lush uh, beautiful pasture and interesting plants so mm. it was a real treat mm, yeah it was beautiful but it was also very difficult we um it got really hot and so we had to hide out in a bakery of all places for like a couple of hours um and yeah there were some some pretty pretty hard hills pretty steep gradients especially the next day because we had to sort of climb up from there into the central highlands and highland means lots of hills doesn't it so and we certainly found it out really steep not back breaking but yeah really challenging gradients <laughs> um and uh, we, we've been, uh, we were quite tired. These seem like a bit more, oh, I was just about to say, these seem like kinder gradients. And then we come to this massive uh, ramp. Okay, I'm gonna change gear. Oh God. I'm just spending the whole day in my easiest gear. Okay. So what, it's half past 12. We're climbing, climbing, climbing the whole day. Oh, just so, so tough and really, really steep. We're in the highlands and we're trying to head towards the capital, San Jose. And today we're going to stay in San Ramon, but literally only 15k ago we were thinking of quitting for the day. But we soldiered on and it's clouded over a bit and yeah. We're okay. I mean, I, I don't even think I could be more red in the face. Beatty, how are you doing? Um, I'm really hot as well, but, you know, this is our fourth quite big day for us in a row, and the second day of doing quite a lot of climbing. We've just climbed over a thousand metres. We're a thousand metres in altitude right now, and we've climbed 1,300 metres today. That's a fair old slog. But the thing is, when you're struggling so much and it's, you um, don't appreciate the surroundings. And so I was just saying to Shelley a while ago, we've got to remind ourselves we're in the freaking, you know, central highlands of Costa Rica. It's beautiful. There's so many birds chirping, rivers and waterfalls flowing. So just from the last sort of 15, 20k till we get there, another 300 odd meters to climb but we've just got to try and appreciate it we think we have found the costa rican version of sweet as um here in costa rica they have this concept which is called pura vida um, which translates to pure life and we've really experienced a lot of lovely acts of kindness here and we think that this is all kind of interrelated. Yeah, it's kind of like the Puda Vida lifestyle, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> uh, what, what have we had? We had a guy in a fruit van 
uh, on the side of the road selling watermelons. He saw us coming and um, he pulled out a couple of wet, big wedges of sweet, juicy watermelon right at a really hot part of the day when our throats are getting quite dry. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just handed it out and told us a story. And uh, yeah. we were just like, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> getting down on the old watermelon. It was sensational. And, and then, then um, we the, had um, a guy. That, that, oh, out of San Jose. Yeah, there was a guy who he seemed really a little bit kind of um, nutty but he turned out to be lovely and he was trying to give us some advice about the route but we couldn't understand his Spanish but he uh, ended up buying us some pineapple and what did you have some uh, more watermelon, watermelon yeah. from, from a shop and would refuse to take any money from us and we chatted to him for a while yeah that was really great and then the kind of the strangest one was yesterday on our way to Puerto Viejo to watch the ABs um, the um, <laughs> this guy sort of pulled up in a pickup truck maybe 100 yards up the road from us and he got out and then he was just holding up a big uh, baguette. I and thought it was a big fillet of fish. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of looked strange from the distance. And then when it got close, I was like, oh, baguette. And he goes, it's for you. And it's like, oh, I sort of slowed down a bit and grabbed it. And it, w- and it was like really soft to squeeze and it was like piping hot. It just come out of the oven, obviously. And... Wow. That was a lovely little second breakfast there, you wasn't it? immediately started taking bites out of the top. Of yeah. <laughs> I, had to, I had to sort of test it out. But so, yeah, Pura Vida to those three guys. <laughs> yeah, Pura Vida, guys. I mean, and this is the weird thing, the use of Pura Vida. Uh, you don't kind of know when to pull it out. I'm just currently pulling it out constantly, and I think that's kind of all right. But we were trying to understand this a bit more and sort of, to explain it more, we were um, talking to our warm showers host the other night, just outside of where he lives, just outside of San Jose. This guy Giorgio, an Italian, he speaks perfect Spanish. He lived in Spain quite a while. He's only been in Costa Rica for eight months, is it? Mm-hmm. And so he was sort of in more of a position as an outsider to sort of explain to us uh, how to use Pura Vida. <laughs> Costa Rica, it's like, um, I guess it's like their philosophy of living, I think. I'm, I'm not exaggerating because, um, yeah, it's just um, they, use, they use this word which means pure life, you know, and they just use it for everything from, um, you know, you can instead of saying thank you or you're welcome or, um, or um, you know, somebody asks you, how are you? You said good. You just say pura vida. So it's like, you know, somebody gives you something, say, ah, pura vida, to say thank you. And the other guy just says, ah, pura vida, like, you're welcome. And he's like, and how was it last night? Como, que tal la noche? Ah, pura vida. Uh, everything went well, you know, everything was good. And, and like, uh, ah, did you go, there? did you visit that, that guy or that trip? And how was it? How was that, you know, that city? Ah, pura vida. So it's just, um, yeah, so it's just... We, the, when we go to the supermarket... And we just we you know order we buy our eggs. We say pura vida, and then they'll be like, oh yeah yeah, see. Well, yeah, you probably don't walk up to the to the cash register and say pura vida just like, with with the eggs and and like you know like um, but but yeah like when they when she you know when you pay and and uh, you know they usually say thank you goodbye and you say pura vida that's okay. At first it's hard to get like um, you just you don't feel comfortable using it because you're like you don't even know if that's correct or not because maybe you should just say Pura Vida and it's like should I have said Pura Vida or maybe I you know, just don't know because I use it so much but at the same time you don't want to like overdo it 
such a beautiful spot here in the Sloth Sanctuary. We're just sitting next to the little kind of lagoony river thing that runs through it. And um, they've got this little kind of seated area that's shady with some hammocks and things. And we're just sitting here in the breeze um, waiting for our tour to begin. Going to be meeting some sloths soon. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to be okay, Shelley. I'm sure that by the end of it, you'll be, you know holding a sloth and oh, it'll no. be sort of like pecking no. at your neck or something no. and oh. is that what they do no i don't want that at all yeah <laughs> well we've been riding through a lot of different places in costa rica and it doesn't matter if you're in the countryside or the city it's really clear that here compared to other places we've been like nicaragua or guatemala the standard of living is much higher and um, you know, that was that was evident from the start. You know, as soon as we came in, the, the buses that were going past us were just like they weren't belching diesel and they looked kind of fancy, but they would they weren't the tourist buses. They were just the normal buses that everybody yeah. uses. So re- the rest of the countries, we've been mostly seeing old American school buses, you know, um, getting a new lease of life as just general uh, public transport. Um, but here... Uh, you don't see very many of those, only for really schools. Yeah, um, yeah. But the normal buses that take people day to day, some of them have air conditioning and they seem a lot nicer. They've got wheelchair access. Oh, yeah, you've been going on and on about yeah, that. Yeah, I really want to see how they get a wheelchair into these things. Okay. Um, they've got the space for the wheelchair, but I don't know how they lift the wheelchair up onto the bus. Okay, that, all right. But anyway. <laughs> That's your own personal thing there. <laughs> but, um, I, I mean, I, don't, I didn't know much about Costa Rica at all, but as soon as I came in, I thought, why, why are things like this? You know, the car, people have fancier cars. There's lots of really nice big SUVs and Land Rovers and, you know, all that sort of thing. Um, you can drink the water from the tap. Yeah, that has been an absolute revelation. It saves us so much time of having to purify and kill all the bacteria in our water every day. We could just drink it out of the tap. We can't get over that, really. Know, why is this not? Why isn't this the case in other countries? You mm. know, like that—that that was the first thing that I was like, "What makes Costa Rica so?" different you know we we remember we stopped at that little um i can't remember where we were but we stopped in this kind of little shopping center and it had really nice shops and everyone was wearing quite nice clothes and it wasn't any special town it was just a normal sized town like upper hut or something yeah and i was like this is pretty different you know this isn't a tourist place that we're in but Mm. everyone seems to be quite well shod nice shops you Mm. know i mean you still have to put your uh toilet paper in the bin beside the toilet apparently the um the sewage systems and or the pipes aren't strong enough to take your toilet paper with your uh the rest of your deposits okay well i mean that's kind of besides you can drink the water though you just can't flush your paper with your uh yeah well let's call it poo but anyway (laughs) <laughs> I guess some of this there's a few few reasons for this they've got a very stable government here in Costa Rica and I think that creates an environment where it encourages inward investment um, there's a big expat population here um, so not they, only European ones but uh, mostly Americans but also Europeans because they had they their constitution comes from 1949 so and I think they did have some kind of little civil war-y thing in 1955. I shouldn't call it that. It's really disrespectful. Little baby civil war. Yeah, okay, all right. Well, I don't know anything about it. So, But apart from that, I think it's been fairly stable. Whereas when you look at other places like El Salvador, for example, where mm. they had 20 years of civil war, mm. um, you know, a lot of people can attribute the fact that things are quite a few steps ahead here yeah, to, to that. Yeah, very progressive policies. They don't have an army, um, which is something they're really proud of here. 
um, and also they uh, have they've got some sort of target by which they want to be carbon neutral because that fits within the whole um, green um, ecotourism industry which they're really developing. Yeah, and I, and I remember someone saying that Costa Rica has the most amount of land um, under protection. Do you remember who yeah, was telling us that? Yeah, that's true as well. Um, yeah, they've so much land is allocated for national parks and things, but all that. Or 23% yeah. or something. But that's something they've had to build up. They had to replant a lot of forests and oh, all that to okay. sort of reverse that trend because, you know, uh, you know, the banana companies, you know, like United Fruit would have just come in here and just, you know, yeah. gone roughshod. Yeah. Um, and so in order to sort of control that, a lot of the trees and things have been um, growing back. They're promoting a lot more national parks. The national parks are everywhere. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a beautiful country. They, and they also have um, universal health care here and they have quite a high literacy rate. It's like 96% or yeah. It's not like paradise, that. though. I mean, there are a lot of inequalities, and you notice it a lot more here in the Caribbean. And a lot of that is really legacy stuff, too. I mean, here in the Caribbean, they used slave labor of um, you know, Africans and even Chinese here to build rail the railway line that connected um, the port with San Jose. Uh, because originally it was coffee and then it became bananas. Mm. I think they're the biggest exporter of bananas in the world, but all that industry was built on the back of slave labor. And here on the Caribbean, oh, and also indigenous cultures were completely crushed. Yeah, but I think, and I think as well, I was reading that there weren't, there wasn't a, wasn't a huge population here to start with. Not that, not to excuse, you know, obviously yeah. the oppression. But I think it was something like 400,000 indigenous people here pre, pre Christopher Columbus. Mm. So it wasn't like a huge number, but, but they we, were we still. We notice yeah. here also that on the Caribbean side, there are there is sort of less developed, and uh, you know the sealed roads and all that came a lot later in this part of Costa Rica than the rest. Um, there are there are stories of sort of. Um, you know, racism, basically. Um, you know, w when they had first had that railway line, there was a certain point halfway up, uh, halfway to San Jose, where the, the black... The Limon province. Yeah, the edge of Limon province, where the black um, train drivers had to get off and be replaced by Spanish ones because they weren't allowed to be in San Jose. And it was, it's not actually very far long ago when um, uh, black people were given residency here. Well, they're yeah, allowed to work in other places apart from Limon province. Yeah. So allowed to leave it and live wherever they wanted, which is, I think it was the 50s or something. Mm, mm. So, yeah, we noticed that, you know, living in New Zealand or in the UK, you've got this north-south thing, whereas here in Costa Rica, it seems to be a Pacific Caribbean yeah. kind of thing. You know, people would warn you that, um, oh, you know, you sure you want to go over to the Caribbean side? There's a lot more crime over there, you know, like they're not like us. Yeah. You know, so there is that sort of weird tension here which they've got to sort out because it's stunningly beautiful over here. It is beautiful and we're about to go and enjoy it because I think we are being called to go and do our tour. Shall Sloth we? Sloth time! <laughs> My name is Marco, I'm the tour guide here. And right now, uh, let's talk about sloths, right? All kind of questions are okay, right? Just raise your hand, right? We're going to start by talking about the nature of these animals. What is a sloth and what it takes to be a sloth, right? And that will be here with these uh, six sloths that we have right here. And then when we finish over here, I will take you to the nursery and there we're going to see baby sloths. 
We call them lazy, right? <laughs> All right. And this lazy thing you will see. Well, let's start with Spanish because in Costa Rica we talk Spanish. And oso perezoso is the name for this animal. Oso perezoso means lazy bear. <laughs> we call them lazy bears, right? Okay. English, sloth, right? And what is the meaning of the word sloth? Same, laziness. Laziness, in a sinful way. Yes. One of the seven deadly yeah. sins, yeah. the sin of being lazy, sloth, right? Yeah. So, sloth, right here, lazy, right? <laughs> and you guys, we can go all around the world, and the name for this animal in the different languages is about being slow or lazy. Right? <laughs> you guys, uh, a few examples. Um, in French, paresseux, deux doigts, trois doigts paresseux, the lazy one with three or two fingers. <laughs> okay? In Germany will be Faultia, and Faultia means lazy animal. In Russia, Lenivitz, lazy animal. In Swedish, Siangongare, slow walker. Right? <laughs> and I can go on and on here, you guys. Right? <laughs> yes. Uh, except for a few languages, more oriental kind of languages, being a little more polite, right? <laughs> About not being lazy, right? And that will be. Um, uh, in Japanese, uh, kemana, uh, nikemana kemono means uh, patient animal, right? <laughs> and in, uh, the last one that I learned, uh, Chinese. Shulang, wait, I, let's see if I can do this. Shulang means elemental wood animal that probably live on the trees and is very patient. <laughs> Shulang. Oh, look at him go. They've got a little stumpy tail. So we're on the banks of a river, you're seeing a sloth in its habitat. Yeah. You still uh, scared of sloths? No, I really like them now. <laughs> He's so cool. So what's prompted the change? Um, just like seeing them a bit more and, well, seeing them in real life. They don't seem scary like they did in photos and just learning more about them i think i've had like i've had sloth immersion and now i'm cured <laughs> yeah he was up in the top of this tree which is what apparently the guy was saying it's his favorite leaf this one or something well, I, I think sloths like that one yeah that tree this particular type of tree they quite like he was right at the top hanging over the river and he's crawled or climbed all the way down uh to right beside the banks of the river where we are. I think he's going to go to the toilet. Yeah, because normally when they come down from the tree, they're coming to do a crap. So uh, right. I think it's uh, crap time here, and we're all sort of like anxiously waiting to see it all happen. We're in a cafe in Costa Rica at the moment, eating gallo pinto. It's the country's national dish. It's basically just rice and beans. It's what we've been eating the whole time in Central America, just rice and beans. But here they've elevated it to their national dish. They're passionate about it. And there's sort of all different types of gallo pinto that you have uh, throughout the country. Most of it is like what we're having today with uh, fried cheese, uh, scrambled eggs, black beans, and rice. It's also, but no, so, so something so simple. Gallo pinto means speckled hen. So I guess the speckles are the black beans. 
um, but they're really passionate about this dish and even more so in Nicaragua where it's they're also their national dish and there's a sort of a rivalry like New Zealand and Australia have over pavlova they have it over rice and beans Nicaraguans swear by red beans in their gallo pinto where the Costa Ricans say uh, black beans now in this cafe we're just in this morning there's a Nicaraguan guy who's the waiter and he reckons that the Nicaraguans do it best with their red beans. <laughs> so it's like one of these, um, you know, inter-country rivalries. But uh, I think Costa Rica, with Costa Rica and Nicaragua, some of the other tensions that they have between them, um, this is just another thing that they can get fired up about. very quick in praise of for this week um, because Costa Rica's really surprised on the upside as we used to say back at Bloomberg oh um, god don't say that oh god I can't I, we keep saying that stupid phrase also, you've oh this is surprisingly I mean instead of saying oh this is surprisingly good we didn't expect this I keep saying it's surprised on the upside which is like what you use when economic data comes out and whether it's like okay. good or bad for the markets it's freaking ridiculous no, anyway no and also can i just point out you refer to it as costa rica when we both know it's been renamed costi oh yes after michelle costigan yeah. yeah so the whole country's agreed on that and they're happy to call themselves costi so good on you costi um it's been great being in costi um <laughs> And there have been a few things of about costi that we've been in praise of this week for me i'm gonna stuff up the name i think but queso palmito okay brilliant cheese uh, we saw the signs for it. I was hungry. I was like, let's stop for cheese. And uh, it's like this uh, ball of white cheese. It's, it's a fresh cheese. Yeah, sort of a fresh cheese. And then it like strings out. It's not like mozzarella. It's like um, like with mozzarella, you can't sort of unwrap the ball. Uh, <laughs> but here with this particular cheese, you sort of unwrap the ball of it. Oh, it is delicious. Have it with some tomatoes just by itself, with bear even. Yeah. It's, uh, it's it's called queso palmito because it palmito is palm and it looks very much like palm hearts the mm. way that it tears apart that's right. yeah, yeah it, that's what it's that's why it's named that yeah great cheese what do you like shell <laughs> okay well I'm in praise of the bakeries here in Costi because um, the bake I mean the bread in places like Nicaragua and Guatemala Guatemala is just atrocious so when we got to Costi and finally there was real bread and bakeries that had delicious things in them that didn't cost like too much um that was a welcome surprise and in particular i want to cast our minds back to the donuts that we had oh sort of caramel filled donuts yeah. i mean we don't go for these glazed crispy cream dunkin donut type things if, if you give us a donut it's got to be um sugar coated Mm -hmm. um, you know, like grain sugar, yeah. and then freshly deep fried. Freshly deep fried, and so it's kind of soft. And then this one here from the Santa Clara Bakery, yeah, um, had uh, sort of caramel dolce de leche cream inside of it. Oh, oh wow. sensational! Well done, great empanadas. A lot of the empanadas are really filled, filled up to the brim. Costi, you're doing pretty well on the old bakeries. <laughs> it's good to see. Okay, so we're um, we're heading to Panama tomorrow, babe, and I don't know what the baking's like there, but what what can we expect otherwise? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's like we were going to Bocas del Toro. I went there ten years ago. It's like an a little archipelago of islands just off the coast. Uh, we're going to see more bananas, more banana plantations. Um, 
we're still looking for that seeded banana that uh, we've had requests um, from the northern suburbs of Wellington to find a seeded banana. It's it's a pretty tough ask. Cavendish, keep looking there. Keep yeah, looking, we'll keep, look, we'll keep looking. Um, but no, I'm expecting to see a lot more Cavendish bananas. Uh <laughs> More banana ornaments and things, maybe. Uh, no, what? what else is Panama? Oh, hats. There'll be Panama hats somewhere. Okay, so th- is this the part of the show where we talk about all the stereotypes about a country and then we go into it and find out what it's really like, that it's more than bananas and hats? Yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> I mean, I only went to Bocas del Toro in Panama City and then I flew out. Mm. So this time we're probably going to have 10 odd days of going through Panama. We get to learn what it's all about and I'm looking forward to it. Well, that's our podcast for today. Thank you very much for listening. We'd love to find out how you are and where you are. You can email us, you at gmail.com or go to the blog, howareyouwhereareyou.com and put a comment uh, under this under this podcast. We love to get the comments and feel the love. Um, there are also some links on there if you want to subscribe to the podcast on uh, SoundCloud or iTunes. Um, what else? Oh, Baden is online at Baden C or Baden Cycling on Instagram. Or Shelley M. Campbell on Instagram as well. That's getting a great following. Oh, it's been a bit quiet lately, actually. Um, thank you very much to Callum Campbell for all the original music in this podcast. And until next time, Pura Vida. Pura Vida. Bye.